0: Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that will encourage and uplift you. Now let's join the show with your host, Kevin James. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin James. Today in the studio, I have Anthony Andolino, which was born in New Jersey. He lived there to about eight years old, then moved to Florida. Then at 16, he moved back to New Jersey then back and forth between New Jersey and Florida until 2008, then making Florida his permanent residence. He discovered Jesus at the age of 17, but was saved at age 18. Was on the American Idol in 2006, was the opera man of New York, started working as a car salesman where he met his wife by selling her car. He's now involved in prison ministry. Welcome, Anthony. Thanks for joining us on our show today. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. I appreciate that very much. So, Anthony, tell us a little bit about your life story. Where did you start from?
1: Well, I was born in Irvington, New Jersey, um, to a Roman Catholic family. Okay. Um, We were non-practicing Catholics, so we we went to church on Sundays. and Christmas. uh, Christmas and Easter Easter was pretty much it. Yeah. I I thought John Lennon died for our sins, because that's kind (laughs) of what I was... Raised to know by my hippie mom. Ah. And um, I, I knew the only thing I thought I knew about God growing up was that he was just waiting to thump you if you did something bad.
0: The Catholics can impress that in Jesus. I
1: mean. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's not even just the Catholicism. I mean, I think if I probably would have, if my family would have been church goers, we might've had a different understanding right. of God, but I didn't know much about him. And I was raised in New Jersey from the time I was born till I was around eight years old. Okay. And then we moved down to Florida um, because my grandmother lived in Florida. And we moved to a little town called Deltona. I remember being a Catholic down here and I saw these people at this church and they were a Christian church. I didn't really know what that meant, but they all looked so happy and they would all laugh and they would have things outside the church where they would all be together. And I thought it was weird And I remember one time, a friend of mine who was a Christian, I mean, I probably was around 10 years old, I remember he took me to one of these group gatherings outside the church, and all these people are happy, and they're I don't know, they must have been having some kind of thing. I was too young to really know what was going on. But I remember I started crying, and this really kind woman came up. She goes, why are you crying? I'm like, well, I shouldn't be here because I'm a Catholic, and I, I feel so bad that I'm here. And she she was so welcoming. She's like, no, it's same God, different neighborhood. <laughs> but I I remember that, and and that actually ties very much into how I became a Christian in my later life. But uh, So I believe that God had his handprint on me from the time i was little Mm -hmm. all right you moved to
0: florida you said into deltona um you were exposed a little bit to christianity through a gathering of some sort maybe a barbecue or something like that um how long did you live in florida because you said you moved from florida back to new jersey
1: correct well when when we moved down to florida um The, the pay is nowhere near as much as it is down here as it is up north. My father was in the grocery business his whole life and he was used to making a lot of money in a union. And when we moved down here, he went from making a lot of money to $5 an hour for the same job.
0: Hey, I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: I I still question to this day why they didn't figure that out before we moved to Florida. But, But if you could figure that out, tell me because I did the exact same thing. Um, So we moved back when I was around 16 years old to New Jersey um, because there was just so much more opportunity up there. Right. And I, at that time, was not in school. I had dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. Um, I, I liked school, but I didn't like having to go to school. I was the kind of kid that just would not show up for class and then show up for the test and pass it. (laughs) <laughs> um, that was just kind of who that I was—the kid who the teachers would all say, "You're so smart. If you just apply yourself a little more, and you do so great when you do when you are here, but you're never here." And it just—I just didn't enjoy school. Okay. I think that the main reason I didn't enjoy school was because, for those of, that are listening that can't see me, I'm a big guy, okay. and I've always been a big guy. But I'm also a very peaceful guy, so right. I was not a fighter. But when you have the big guy who's not a fighter, he becomes the target, mm-hmm. and I was picked on mercilessly in school and because I wasn't the kind of person to fight back I just kind of shrunk into myself Mm. um I was very smart and 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 I had a lot of charisma around people that liked me when they got to know me but before they got to know me no one you know I I just got picked on a lot so I, I think that's why I dropped out of school okay I was bored in school I feel that in school, they don't really teach kids the things they need to be learning. Um, right. I I'm not a bookworm, mm-hmm. me too. But I but I understand the world, and I you know that's why I do what I do now. I'm a car salesman. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people, you know, I might not be able to change my oil, but I'll talk you into changing it for a lot less money than it would even be made by the yeah, materials I can, needed. I can relate to that.
0: You know, why do something if somebody else can do it for you?
1: Exactly. You know, and I'll do the things I'm good at.
0: Mm-hmm. So you moved back to New Jersey because of, of your father, okay, yes. of, the, of the time, and it, it was a better income up there. How long did you stay up there before you moved back to Florida again?
1: Well, when when we moved back up to New Jersey, obviously, like I said, I wasn't in school, so I had nothing keeping me there. So I would travel back and forth, back to my grandmother's house, okay, back up north, um, and, and up north, I had a neighbor, and my neighbor was a guy, he was mm, about... 15 years older than me and he wasn't the best guy in the world. He was into some bad stuff. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but the weird thing was he talked about Jesus all the time oh. in a good way. Okay. That's <laughs> <And> good. <laughs> he got, he started telling me that I need to become a Christian and I need to be saved even while he's doing these bad things and having me do bad things. And I just thought that's how people are. And this is a person who hated church. Right. Um but he brought me to a church. And I remember I'll never forget the first church I first Christian church I ever walked into. I heard a sermon and I don't even remember what it was about, but I was so amazed by it. Hearing about Jesus, I stayed for an hour after the service, talking to the pastor about and asking him question after question. My friend was getting mad with me. He's like, come on, we gotta go. We gotta (laughs) go. And, but I was just like, this is amazing stuff. And, um, he took me to a Benny Hinn crusade and he hates Benny Hinn. He's not into the healing movements or anything like that, but he took me to the mat to, um, uh, giant Stadium. And we saw Benny Hinn. And I was just watching the Holy Spirit move. And the whole time he's making fun of it, but he bought me there. I, there's a special place in my heart for this guy because God made him bring me to these things. And it planted a seed in me of wanting to know a little bit more about God.
0: Wow. How many times do you think our friends won't go somewhere because they don't feel like it? But this friend of yours, even though that he kind of didn't believe in that, brought you there to brought you to church, brought you to the Benny Hand crusade. It even was amazing. He even he didn't agree with it, you really know that was God's plan.
1: Absolutely. You
0: know, using a vessel that didn't really want to do something because he didn't like it, but he did it anyway.
1: He did do it. And, you know, and, and in, in, in the interim, he, he would just tell me about things about Jesus that he learned as a kid. And, and I would glean a lot of information off of him and, it's amazing how you know you take what's good and you leave what's bad out and and I started learning. Um, what he did that was a little rough is he gave me a Bible and he said just start reading it from the beginning and just read through it and I said okay that's that's okay so I had this Bible and I read the book of Genesis which is a great book to read and mm-hmm. I get into Exodus and it's a little harder to read and. By the Um, time you get to Deuteronomy Numbers, I was like, I'm not reading this thing anymore. It just, you know, it was just very, it would put me to sleep. Right. And that went on for about a year. And I kind of, I can't even say I fell away from God because I still wasn't with him. Right. You know, but um, I, something in my heart told me, you need to become a Christian. You need to get saved. Mm Mm-hmm. I remembered this church in deltona florida from when i was a kid <clears throat> and i called my grandmother the next day after god showed me that i needed to follow him mm-hmm. i called her up i said i'm coming down i'm buying a plane ticket i was um 18 years old okay. i booked a flight i flew to deltona we the church that i had remembered was only around the block i remember it was a wednesday night and i walked into the church They were having a Wednesday evening service. I walked up to the pastor and I said, hey, my name is Anthony. And how do I get saved? I have to become a Christian. What do I do? And that was the start of my relationship with God.
0: So you flew from New Jersey to Florida, went to this church, went up to the pastor and said, I want to get saved. How do I do it? How do I do it? kind of reminds me of the young you know ruler what, what, must I, what must i do to get saved
1: pretty much pretty much the same mm-hmm. so. luckily he didn't have the same answer <laughs>
0: <laughs> sell everything
1: <laughs> no you know um the first thing that he he did actually was you know pray for my salvation with mm-hmm. me and the very next sunday he introduced me to a man that was at the church and he he said hey the guy's name was charlie he said charlie i want you to mentor this kid and Charlie Coker has been my pastor now for eight years, and he's one of the people I trust the most in the whole world. You know, I mean, uh, for those of you who might not know Charlie Coker, he's a, he's the pastor of Identity Church in Deltona, Florida, and he's one of the few people I know that really walks the walk that he talks.
0: Okay. So you, as I said, recapping a little bit, that you went up to the preacher, you wanted to get saved, you got saved. So, and then you met you met Pastor Charlie and he mentored you. What happened from that point on? What? Did, where did you go?
1: What didn't happen from that point on? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. What didn't happen? You know, my my I, anyone who's walking out their faith in life, it, it can be a roller coaster sometimes, and sometimes it can be smooth sailing, and sometimes you feel like you're going off of a waterfall. Right. But um, my initial time of getting saved was filled with going to Revival services, okay. um, going to Brownsville Revival, going to Morningstar, North Carolina, there. going, you know, so-and-so is preaching at a tent over in Orlando. Let's go see him. Um, seeing people getting slain in the spirit and speaking in tongues and laughing. and
0: Now, was that all new to you? Um, of be, course. Growing up as a Catholic, as one myself, I'd never even heard of any of that stuff.
1: I had never heard of it, but... I could understand the power in it, and I loved it from the beginning. I saw God moving. Um, I'll never forget the first time I spoke in in tongues was at my church in um, Deltona, and I was part of a men's group, and Charlie was the leader of the men's group, and there was a bunch of guys that were in there, and they were, these guys are like keys to my foundation now. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were there for me when I was a baby Christian. And... I remember there was a call on that Sunday evening service for people who wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues. Okay. So I, I went up to the front because it's something I wanted and I'll never forget the pastor took me by the hand and, and I turned around and looked behind me and all the guys from my men's group were standing right behind me. They oh, all wow. came up and I, it was just powerful. I started praying normal mm-hmm. and he said, no, pray in your heavenly language. I didn't know what that meant. I knew what he was talking about, but I'm not going to fake it. (laughs) And, and, um, all of a sudden I saw, and I physically saw a light and I saw this light come from the roof and it hit me on the forehead and my forehead got hot and it started traveling down, traveling down my nose to my lips. And when it hit my mouth, this thing just bursted out of me speaking in tongues, Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't stop it. I couldn't turn it off. It was like someone had turned on a, a water hose, hose and there was no way to turn this hose off. And I, I spoke in tongues for about 20 minutes, nonstop uncontrollably. And I know it's real. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and it w- it was just an amazing experience that taught me that, Hey, God has amazing things. The first time I was ever, um, slain in the spirit Mm -hmm. was, um, once again, Charlie was involved. Um, he had a friend of his come preach at our youth group and I was involved in the youth group and she was giving a service about the power of the Holy Spirit. And she said, you know, she was going to call certain, certain people up to get prayed over. And she called me up and she just walked up. She didn't say what she was going to do. She just walked up to me and she put her thumb on my palm so slightly and just said, holy spirit and she did it and the next thing i knew i flew back wow. on the floor i wasn't ex i had there was, i was the first one so it wasn't like i was seeing other people do right. this i wasn't programmed to do it right. the power of god hit me and did what it wanted to do with me mm. <clears throat> and so that's how i knew this is real and i went from there um to I used to go in front of stores. I would go to Walgreens or CVS and people would come out and whether they were Christian or not, I would just start praying for them. I'd put hands on them, even if they didn't want to. And I would call Charlie. There would be people, bodies on top of each other in front of the stores because I would just start giving them what I had. I knew no better. right? You know, It's, it's kind of like in, in sales, when you have a new salesperson the reason sometimes a new salesman's way better than someone who's been a salesman for a long time is because they don't know that not everybody can buy a car. Right. So I didn't know not everybody couldn't get this. So I'm just giving it out, giving it right. out. I didn't care what they thought. Boom, 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 boom. And it's the, the power of God was moving mightily through me.
0: Just to go back. So I clarify and people listening clarify it. how, what was the time frame from the time that you became saved to that time? How long a period was it?
1: Less than a year. Less than a year. I was a baby Christian. Okay. <laughs> and um, I, I, we, would, we would go to services and I would see the Holy Spirit moving. And I started understanding that the Holy Spirit wants to move in us and through us. Mm-hmm. And I just took it on its face value for what it was. I didn't try to overcomplicate thinking of what could or couldn't happen with it. I just said to myself, this is what you do as a Christian. Wow. I'll never forget... I went back up to New York and I had a friend who was in a, um, vegetative state. Okay. He, I've known, I had known him for years and he'd gone through a lot of hard things and he had been in a vegetative state for about three years. And in my mind, I was excited because I said, well, now we have this gift and he's just going to wake up. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and I remember I went to this church in Long Island, New York, and, um, after the service I went up to the pastor and I was talking because I my goal was to have this pastor come and pray for my friend. Mm-hmm. And in my mind I said as soon as he does he's going to be better. I mean that's all I knew. Right. And I, I nowadays looking back I feel bad for this poor pastor because I said you have to come with me to the where he's at this rehab center and just if you'll just pray for him he'll he'll stand up and he'll be done. And um I guess the pastor enjoyed my enthusiasm so we drove there. And, you know, we prayed and we don't know why God does and doesn't do things. And he was not healed at this moment. And I was kind of like upset with God because to that point, I really just had this infant-like faith that no matter what I do, God's going to move in it. And that was probably a very big maturing point for me to understand hey, sometimes things happen, sometimes they don't, but there's always a lesson in it. Mm-hmm. And I think the lesson that I've learned over 20-plus years of being saved is you do things in God's timing, mm-hmm. not necessarily in your timing.
0: Right. Moving by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Correct. You know, when the Lord says to do something. I mean, I, you know, we do believe in healing. Um, you know, people say, why don't, why don't the all the hospitals emptied out and stuff like that? And that's because the Lord hasn't said to us, particularly, you know, to go there. Correct. But when he does say to go there and we obey, things will happen.
1: Absolutely. You know, so it's, I'll tell you a quick story. Okay, well, it can <laughs> be long if you want. <laughs> um, about that, um, one time at the, at the church I was getting raised up in in Florida, we were having a revival service and a healing minister was there. And he was praying for sick people and I had shown up. To watch the service, and I sat down and I saw this lady being wheeled in on a wheelchair, and she was with her family. She was probably in her 20s or 30s. Um, And she was just in a wheelchair, and she was sitting with her family, and God spoke to my heart, and He said, I want you to go pray for her and pull her up out of her chair. And I'd probably been a Christian about two years. Mm And I kind of said, there's no way. I'm not going to do that, God. I'm not going to make a fool out of myself and out of her and out of you. And devil be gone. (laughs) You're talking to me now. But um, no, it was God. And he didn't pressure me, but the pressure of the request was very much on me. Mm -hmm. And it it made me to where I was sinking in my chair and crying because I knew I had to do this. And it's a full service of... At the, I mean, that church holds 1,500 people, Okay. and um, so I, I started going in my in our pews, and she was towards the middle of the church, and I was on the one side, and I started just kind of moving towards where she was slowly throughout the service and crying because I don't know what God wants me to do, and I said, God, how do I do this? He goes, just do what I tell you, so... The service ends and the, the the preacher's up there and he's people are coming up to get prayer. And I saw her um, wheel herself down there to get prayer. And then I saw her wheel herself back to where her family was. And I finally said, okay, God, I'll do what you tell me to do. And I, I walked up to her and I said, hey, my name is Anthony. Um, I see that you went up for prayer today. And she said, yeah. And I said, I see you didn't get what you came for today. And she said, no, but God's good. I'm like, I'm, God's amazing. I said, but can I ask you a question? Do you believe God can heal you? And she said, yes. I said, well, can I pray for you? And she said, sure. And no, I did not rip her up out of her chair. (laughs) What I did was I touched her hands and then I basically bowed my head and started bawling like a baby because I didn't know what to do. And um, I did that for about 30 seconds. And when I looked up finally, she was slain in the spirit in her wheelchair. She was out. And I said, I don't know what to do now, <laughs> so I went to go get um, the pastor of the church and to come pray for her and to fix whatever I had just done. <laughs> and um, by the time I got to the front of the church and I pointed her out, they they looked at her and she had, was now standing up, holding on to her, holding on to the pew that was in front of her. Oh, wow! And I'm like, whoa! It turned. She had been paralyzed um, from an accident for eight years. From the waist down the next night she came again and now she was in a walker she i mean her she wasn't given miraculously strength in her legs but she was healed from being paralyzed and so i know god does things and but it's all in his timing it wasn't something i wanted to do and afterwards i didn't want the credit for it it was something that he did because for whatever reason it was her day
0: interesting part about that story was the fact that the lord put it on your heart to go over and pray for yeah. So you were telling us a story about you praying for your friend mm-hmm. that did not get healed. Correct. So that probably was a little bit in the back of your mind that okay, I'm not going to pray for this girl because I remember the last time I prayed for somebody it didn't get healed. I'm just going to look like a fool and I'm not going to do that.
1: Correct. I I had I was very wary and it it wasn't just because of that because you know, within the a, a year and a half of being saved, I had kind of started to understand how God does things. Um but at the same time, going in front of a full church and ripping someone out of their wheelchair was not something I was prepared to do. <laughs>
0: yeah. Again, I think it's whether it's prophetically or healing-wise. I sometimes when God tells us to do something, we look at it like, yeah, maybe that's not God. You know, maybe that's yeah. the devil. Like you said earlier, you know, get out of here, devil. Yeah. You know, but we kind of know. I don't really think the devil wants people to be healed.
1: Correct. And and that's what you have to ask yourself. And that's what I ask myself now when. I feel if God's telling me to do something, I'm like, okay, well, if, 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 if I make a complete fool out of myself, okay, did God win or the devil win here? If it's, you know, does did God want me to pray for this person or is the devil telling, the devil's not telling me to pray for them. <laughs> so, you know, it, just because it, you, we're not comfortable doesn't mean it's not God. In fact, usually that's an indicator. It probably is. Well, I'm
0: thinking if, if you're arguing with yourself to do something, you know, it's God. Correct. (laughs) Because your flesh is, you know, if you were after fleshly things, exposure, you'd be, you just run out there and do it, you know? Correct. So it's the argument of yourself, like, no, this can't be God. And they go,
1: yeah, it's God. And and I think that I would venture to say that we know if it's him or not, we're trying to convince ourselves it's not him. Right. Um, selling cars, when, when a customer comes and they start asking me questions and, and they're kind of being combative, what, what they're trying to do is prove to them that they're not going to buy a car today, even though they're there to buy a car. Right. And it's the same kind of thing with God. Um, when God speaks to us, we know it's Him, but we start trying to convince ourselves that it's not Him because it's not what we want to do necessarily in something. But it's him. And, and what I've learned is he judges my heart more than my actions. So if he's telling me to do something, as long as you're not hurting someone, go for it. You're not going to be a hundred percent all the time, but you're not going to ruin anybody's day by praying for him. I can promise you that.
0: Definitely. All right. Let's move on a little bit about your life. Okay. From that time, where are we going to go from there? Where, where, where where's your life leading you?
1: Well, at that point, I, um, a couple of interesting things happened to me. I got, I got, if you want to call it called into the ministry. Okay. Um, I was at a Bible study and Charlie had, uh, Pastor Charlie had told us to not be afraid to ask God what our calling was. And um, he would reveal it to us in in his word, in the scriptures. And I said, okay. So I said, one night I was home alone and and I said, God, I said, I feel like I'm supposed to preach your word. But if that's you, then you got to show me in scripture why I should preach the -hmm. word to people. And all of a sudden, a scripture went through my mind like a ticker tape. It was just like, dit, 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 right through my brain. I'd never heard of the scripture. I mean, this is before cell phones. I couldn't Google the scripture. <laughs> um, I had a Bible. And, I, I, and it was in the book of Ezekiel. And I never heard of the book of Ezekiel, so I didn't know what it was. Right. Um, so I started looking th- toward the New Testament for Ezekiel. And of course, Ezekiel's an old, because I'm like, well, if it's about witnessing, it's got to be in the New Testament. Um, but no, Ezekiel 3.18. And the, the scripture on Ezekiel 18 is basically, um, God's telling Ezekiel to go preach to a certain people and Ezekiel doesn't want to do it. And so God tells him in Ezekiel 3.18, if I if I see a man who's going to die for his sin and I tell you to go talk to him and you don't do it, then he's going to die, but I'm holding you accountable for it. And I read that, and I'm like, I think that's a confirmation I'm supposed to preach and why I'm supposed to preach and what I'm supposed to do. And I remember I I called a friend of mine at like one o'clock in the morning, so excited that about this scripture that God, God really wants me to preach his word and, and do things. And, you know, and during this time, I'm also discovering that I have a voice, a, a singing voice. I had not grown up as in singing, but I started to realize for just from joining a church choir that oh, I actually have a gifting here. I can hit some notes that not necessarily other people can hit and um, people are starting to notice me for my voice. So a lot of things are happening at this point in my Christianity walk.
0: Now, outside of Christianity getting on the subject of, of singing and stuff like that, you were I think it was 2006 that you were on American Idol.
1: Correct. I was on American Idol um, back when there was the original judges on the show. and um, Simon, Paula, and... Simon, Paula, and Randy. Randy. Yep. Randy Jackson. Oh, yeah. And um, I I had gone out to Las Vegas because I was 26 years old at the time, and it was the last year I could try out for it. Okay. Um, I had discovered I could sing a few years earlier in college. I went to college very late in life for journalism and I joined the um, the chorus just for the easy credit and I realized I have a voice um, and within 24 hours I was given a full scholarship to become a voice major at college wow. and the plan was to send me off to Berlin and to get into the opera circuit and to I have a natural uh, first tenor voice and I'm pretty loud when I want to be and you know they're like well, you're going to do amazing things and Of course, then my father had gotten sick and I wound up leaving college and that was the end of my music career in opera. But um, I decided to go out and try out for American Idol and um, I flew out there and it was was an interesting experience. I, I, I sang for the judges and, you know, if you don't know anything about American Idol, a lot of it is absolutely edited it's a television show it's not you know ratings. Yeah. those those judges are not listening to the 10,000 people that show up they're listening to about 40 people per city and they narrow them down really quickly and I was one of the ones fortunate to get through and they told me after I auditioned that they said well you have a very good voice but it's more like a Broadway or an opera voice you're not a pop voice and I, and I, I took that criticism like okay I understand and I was a little nervous um, but at the same time they have you sing the same song for three days in a row wearing the same clothes in front of the same backdrop so they can edit you on television however they want right, right. and um, so I, I went home from that and, and then I got a call about a month later from the producer of the show who said listen we have never done this before for somebody that didn't get to Hollywood but we want to do an entire segment about you Anthony and I said really why and he's like just trust me. They're going to love you. That's what he said to me. I said, okay. So they had a whole crew come out to my house. They filmed me. They filmed my family. They interviewed me. And um, the night of the television show, um, when it finally aired, which was about six months later, um, they showed my audition. They did my background. They did all this. And Simon makes some disparaging marks. I'm a big guy. Right. And he made some more <laughs> remarks about my weight. And... I really didn't care. I kind of took it in stride. Um, It wasn't a big deal. But apparently it was a big deal for everyone else in the country because literally the next morning I had five reporters at my front door, news cameras. Um, I was on the Today Show. I was on Access Hollywood. I was in The Inquirer. I was in Rolling Stone magazine. Um, It was a whirlwind of just... Publicity, and it was so interesting to to see that, and and that what they wanted me to do was just to rag back on on Simon, which I refused to do. Right. Um, by that time, I'm a Christian, and I said, "No," I said, "I forgive him." You know, I said, "I wouldn't say those things to him behind his back because he he didn't say anything to my face." Right. They they're very, they were very nice, and I think that's their, but that's his shtick is to be that kind of guy. Right. So when I was in there, they were extremely nice. And when I left, he made a comment. So I didn't hear the comment till the television show. Um, But I I think overall it was an amazing experience because of the whirlwind of traveling all over the country. I got to do just because of that. (laughs) I'll never forget I got a phone call from the um, National Association of Fat Acceptance. (laughs) And they wanted me to be their spokesperson. And I said, I'm actually trying to lose weight. <laughs> so, no, I don't think I want to be, I don't think we're victims because <laughs> we right. eat food. Um, I wasn't into that. But um, it, it, it was it was, it was was pretty fun. It, 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 overall, it was awesome. And, and there's still people to this day that say, I know you from somewhere. I've seen you somewhere. And I say, I was on American Uncle, like, Yeah, you're the guy who sang this song. And so it was a lot of fun.
0: And I'm just trying to think, um, that was 2006. When was Carrie Underwood? What year was her? I think she
1: was the year before me. Okay. Um, I auditioned when a guy named Taylor Hicks won. Yeah, Taylor. The Hicks. The salt and, and pepper haired guy.
0: Yeah, the older guy. And the second runner up was um that girl um I can't remember. Her I name. don't. She remember. did that mo- television show.
1: Fantasia, I think. maybe? No, or? Fantasia
0: won. Oh, okay. Um, it was um, <laughs> she actually is an actress and she's done not Swamp. It's uh some some type of Broadway type of thing.
1: Okay, I, I, I remember. I I literally auditioned with Taylor Hicks, like in Las Vegas. Oh, did you? He was up right after me. He had gotten through. I didn't get through. So then we're just sitting there discussing what's next. And he was so excited. I'm so like, you were well, on the year that he was there. Yeah, I was okay. on the year that he won. Huh.
0: Yeah. I remember that year. I watched it. I just don't remember.
1: Eh. <laughs> it, it was it was a lot of fun, and and what I started doing after that um, was. Because um, at the time I was back in up north, because my father had gotten ill and right. um, he passed away, oh. and so I never went back to school. I just kind of stayed up there to help my family, mm-hmm. and I started wanting to sing more and do things with my voice because I I enjoy singing. So, right. but I had a stage fright at the time, and so I remember one day I just kind of put a tuxedo on and I I went from my house in New Jersey to New York City. Okay. And I went to a place called Columbus Circle, which is where there's all these performers and street performers. And I said, I'm just going to get over my stage fright. So I would go out there my first day. I'll never forget. I went out there and just started singing arias from operas. Okay. And I just wanted to do it so I wouldn't be afraid when there were people in front of me. And I did this for about five minutes And all of a sudden a crowd started forming around me and people were like, where do we put money? (laughs) And I'm like, I wasn't here for money. (laughs) And so I just sang for another like half an hour, 40 minutes. And I left and I said, wait a minute, money. (laughs) (laughs) So I, the next day I went and I would go about three or four days a week and I would make about 300 bucks an hour just, but you know, you can't really sing for more than that either especially outside in a city, you know, you'll lose your voice. And, um, but because of doing that, it was amazing. I met so many famous people doing that. Um, Sean Penn, um, Sean Hannity, who's, who's an awesome guy. I met, um, oh my gosh. Um, Jackie Mason um and then one day I'm sitting out there I'm doing my thing and a van pulls up and it says David Letterman show and they come up and they did a whole skit with me on the David Letterman show um then a couple of weeks later I'm I'm out there doing my opera and this guy comes and hands me a copy of Business Week magazine he goes hey you're in here and I said what and I was one of the things to see in New York City, <laughs> the New York Opera guy going out there doing opera, and and I've had all these weird brushes with this kind of thing in my life, you know, um, and it, it was just so much fun, and it it's it. doing something I enjoyed doing. Um, half the time when I would be out there, I only know so many opera songs, right? <laughs> so. The other half of the time, I would literally be just singing gibberish, pretending I was singing an opera, and people would think it was the most beautiful thing they ever heard. <laughs> the only ones who would give me a hard time were the opera buffs, you right. know, because they knew I was what I was doing. But I'm like, I'm just having fun here, you know? And it, it was it was an amazing Now, time. did
0: you just do opera, or did you do anything else?
1: I primarily did opera because I became known as the New York opera guy, <clears throat> and... Um, I, I started a YouTube channel and I, I was one of the first YouTubers oh, um, wow. back in the day. Um, in fact, when YouTube, their very, fr- YouTube has a show like the Oscars for their YouTube participants. Right. Their very first one, one of my videos was nominated for it. I was on Fox News being interviewed about my videos. And it it was, so I just, you know, it was awesome. I I met my first wife and she just was not into it. So I just gave it all up. (laughs) I gave up my, I actually have friends that at that time, we were because we were all in New York City right. doing YouTube videos together. I have friends who are now millionaires on YouTube still to this day. That I, if I would have stuck in there, <laughs> you never know what might have happened. But I don't think it was his plan.
0: No, that's interesting. As much as I have known you for the last I don't know five years or so I never knew half that stuff. I mean, I knew that you were on American Idol, but the Opera Man, the you know, it's it's amazing, but you as you said you stopped doing that i mean because you have your ex-wife and you probably suggested you go do you not to do it anymore
1: she just was she she hated the publicity i i loved it but she hated it so i gave it up <laughs> all right so from the opera man
0: where did the lord lead you next um well, you might not have even known the lord was leading you but where did
1: where, of course He's always leading us, right? I mean, even, even when we don't understand what's going on around us, I mean, we have to remember God has a plan and we're a part of it. It's, um, I like to tell people that instead of trying to make Jesus the center of your day, what we need to realize we're the center of his day. And it's saying the same thing, but it's just a different perspective. And it makes me so much more comfortable knowing I'm the center of his day. And you are, and you are. And we're all gathered in him. But, um... So from there, I got I, I, I gotten married. <clears throat> and um, that's when I made the full time decision to move back to the state of Florida. And we moved down here. And we, you know, we started going to church here in Deltona. And I was working for a cable company. <laughs> and I was driving from Deltona to Orlando every day, which is a far trip. And um, I wound up leaving there. And I went on a, I went on about a 5 year period of not having a stable job which was something I wasn't used to. I was used to making some decent money. Um I'll never forget my lowest point um during this journey was right towards the end and I I was working at the Dollar General store. And I was very unhappy. And it wasn't that I it wasn't because I was working at the Dollar General store, it was just I had been used to making a lot more and doing a lot more things and a friend of mine from church had um, given me a call and told me he wanted to meet me after church. He had a gift for me. And I'm like, oh, good. He's going to bless me with some cash. (laughs) And uh, so I said, okay, awesome. I'd love to come and get your gift Um, because this is a person that has wealth. And so I, you know, I went there after that Sunday after church and we met and he's like, I, I prayed about this. And, you know, God showed me this and I wanted to give you this. And I'm just waiting for the check. <laughs> and he pulls out a coffee mug and the coffee mug is a dollar general coffee mug. And he gives it to me. And I'm like, dollar general coffee mug. <laughs> Okay. Is there expected. anything in it? No. And he said he said to me, Anthony, God showed me something about this mug. He said, he um, goes, I know you're not where you want to be right now, but if you'll stay faithful to this, God's going to make you a general of dollars. Mm. And I just, it, it was better than money. <laughs> I said, wow. I had never... Looked at that perspective of this before, and it it gave me a new pride in my job. <laughs> it gave me a new understanding of, okay, I'm gonna be a Dollar General. You know what I mean? I'm gonna be a general of of, of money, and um, and and I went from there, and I, and I actually wasn't at Dollar General that much longer. I got I got a job with the County of Volusia doing dispatch for the police department. And that was a very interesting job, but it was also a very stressful job. I've not cut out for that. And I always say, no one calls nine one one because everything is going great. Right. <laughs> and um, you have to, it takes a special person to work mm-hmm. in that field. Even some of the deputies that have to come in, they have to come in once every quarter and do a couple shifts. They they hate it, right. you know, because at least it, even a deputy when they're not responding to a call they can take a breather you know the dispatcher gets no breather it's just one after another after another and um it was stressing me out and um they knew it and i knew it and i wound up leaving there and i heard about an opening at a car dealership i had sold cars before for a little bit of time um I enjoyed the aspect of selling cars because I love talking to people and meeting people. What I didn't like about it was how unscrupulous of a job it is. Right. Um, you know, everyone has that vision of what the used car salesman is. <laughs> and, um, and sometimes advertisement on television at late at night does not help. Correct. You know, and sometimes that's very true about what they are, but not always. And I, uh, a friend of mine from church recommended a place and he said, they're good Christian people. And I said, well, you know, just cause someone's a Christian doesn't necessarily mean they're good as we all know. But I, I went in and I talked to the to the guy who became my general manager. And I said, hey, so-and-so recommended um, me to come here for a job. And I sold cars a long time ago. I didn't, I didn't like it because we always, you know what the car business is like. I tell him, he goes, okay, but we're not like that. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, we're all Christians here. And I said, big deal. And he said, he said, Anthony, I'm looking for somebody I could trust my wife and my wallet with. Those are the people I hire. He said, if you want the job, I'll give you the job. Awesome. And I was so excited. And um, I've been there going on 10 years now. Um, Yeah. And it's a great place to work. Um, You know, I sell a lot of cars. I'm, I'm great at what I do. And it actually opened up another door for me being there because my boss is also, the founder of a prison ministry. Okay. And he has been doing prison ministry for 30 years. And one day he came up to me and he said, he said, Anthony, I know you're a Christian. I know you preach and I know you sing. And um, I'd love for you to come to the prison with me. sometime. I said, there's no way I'm going to some prison with you. You know, my, my boss is a guy who has been there and done that. You know, he came out of that life and has been um, clean and sober for 30 years. And, you know, but he's been there. I was never there. I was never in trouble like that. Um, Although I tell the guys now when I go, I say, the only difference between me and you is you got caught. I never got caught at what I did. Um, but, you know, it, it, we all have a past. Some people are just paying for it more than than we are, you know. But um, it, th- it led me to get involved in prison ministry.
0: All right. So you get involved in prison ministry. You're now a car salesman. So what's been going on since you started doing that?
1: <laughs> well, um, you know, life throws things at you. And I unfortunately, when, you know, if you've heard me during this discussion, I talked about my ex wife, and that's because I went through a divorce. Um, no one wants to go through a divorce. No. Um, I don't hold any ill feelings towards my ex wife. Um, God's worked out so much of that in me. And, um, but I was single there for about a year and a half. And I'll never forget, it was a Friday night. And I told God, I said, God, I'm not cut out to be single. That's not, some people are happy being single. Some people, that's their life. It it wasn't for me. I needed, I always like to be with somebody. I don't like to be alone. And I said, but I'm not going to go looking. So if you have somebody for me, then you got to introduce her to me. And that's it. I promise I'm not going to go on, you know, Tinder or I'm not going to go on Craigslist. I'm not, you know, you find her for me, God. and, And if she's the right one, I'll know. And that was Friday night, Saturday afternoon, the very next day, I walked into the dealership from my lunch break and I saw this really pretty girl in front of me. And my boss says, Anthony, help her. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll help you. And she, you know, went into her story. She had just moved down here from New York and was looking for a vehicle. And I helped her find a vehicle, and three months later, we were married. Wow. (laughs) And we've been married going on four years now. Okay. And um, she's a strong Christian woman. Um, She, I tell her, you know, she... She picks me up when I'm down and she puts me back to earth when I'm floating above it. So right. she's like the perfect match for me. That is
0: a good story to hear. Yes. So basically we started from the, in New Jersey to the Florida. You're in the prison ministry. Now are you doing any singing still or?
1: Yeah, I, I still, I still lead worship sometimes at my church. I still, um, my main thing I do is, is I do two things with the prisons. I do the, uh, men's. Prison, prison. And, you know, there's a difference between a prison and a jail. And the difference is when you're arrested, you go to jail. While you're waiting for trial, you're in jail. When you're sentenced, if you're under two years, you stay in a jail. For people that are doing 40, 50 to life, they go to a prison. It's a different environment. Um, So I do the men's prison. And when I go there, it's with my boss, who's the head. And I usually wind up singing there. And I'll give like a little five-minute thing and but what I've started doing over the last couple years is I I now do the women's prison and I do that as by myself with my wife. You have to bring a woman with you to go to the women's prison. So I'll bring my wife or a volunteer and and that's where I really get to preach and I love the women's jail. It's one of my I wish there was no women in jail, but um it's they're crazy. They're wild. They're Unsaved. Um, The the prison jail service is like going to any church service you'd go to in America. Most of them are already born again. They've cultivated a community within the prison. And you're just teaching like you would teach in a church. When I go to the jail, I get to have a tent revival. And I get to preach the blood of Jesus. And I get to see people get saved, which is what really gets me going. Mm -hmm. And um, it's an amazing experience. And understanding some of the things that I know now about God. Um, One of the things I didn't really get a chance to talk about was how my opinion and view of God has changed over the years and evolved, and I think that is healthy for us. Like I said, I used to think God was just waiting to thump you if you did something wrong to where I started believing, okay, well, God loves me. He loves me no matter what, but if I can just read my bible every day or do this every day or do this every day then I'll stay in his good graces cuz he loves me and he wants to treat me good but I ruin things on myself to to where now I understand that I'm completely forgiven and completely saved and all God has for me is love mm-hmm. and what that has done for me is made me instead of trying to read my bible to get closer to God I realize how close I am to God so I want to read my bible Right. And it's taken I believe we Christians sometimes put so much pressure on ourselves when God never asked us to carry the we don't carry the cross he carried the cross right. and he's not carrying it anymore he he's off of it and he that freedom he gave us and we're we're supposed to be free also and that's something I have learned to understand and I've learned to 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 accompany that with the understanding that. I have been given a new heart. So my freedom is a freedom that's given to me with a new heart. And that new heart doesn't want to go crazy doing bad things anymore. That new heart is pure and holy and, and loves God. And with that love and understanding and freedom, I'm free to do what I want. And God loves me no more or less. And, um, it, it's just an amazing thing that comes with some maturity and some understanding. And um, I asked God last year, I said, okay, God, well, what am I supposed to preach? You know, how, what's my message? <laughs> and um, he said, Anthony, what I want you to do is teach the people that don't know me that they need to be saved. I said, well, no, duh. <laughs> and he says, but I want you to teach the people that know me that they are completely saved. You know, I mean, does that mean we don't sin? Of course not. We all sin. But the difference is, is I'm not, I am not a sinner saved by grace anymore. I am a saint who sometimes sins. And just understanding that for me has opened me up so much to the love of God, which is what causes man to repent, the goodness of him, not the fear. I've given up. I'm free from fear. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes because... My natural go-to is to be afraid, you know, from the time I was the kid in school that didn't, that got bullied because I didn't like to fight because, you know, that I, in the fight or flight, I'm a flight. I, I want to fly away, but I have to, you know, when the Bible talks about denying yourself, the way I look at that for me is, is I'm not trying to deny who i am i'm trying to deny what i see in the mirror every day because i see all my faults i see all my problems that's what i'm denying and all i should be seeing is what jesus has done in my life and that's what i would encourage people to understand that god loves you
0: when you were just saying is once going in my head was in the word if you have learned and dealt with the identity of who you are in christ Mm -hmm. So I want you to, in in our last few seconds here, wrapping things up, I want you to talk to a couple people because you have learned who you are in Christ. Talk to them and share a little bit about the identity. They need their identity in Christ, not in
1: themselves. Sure. Well, what I would encourage anyone listening to this that is trying to figure out who they are (laughs) is this. You are not who I say you are and you are not who your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your pastor, your uncle, or even yourself says you are. You are who God says you are, and who God says you are is his child, and he loves you more than anything. And and if you will embrace that love, your heart will begin to change. I'm, And if, if you have never given your heart to Jesus, Please find, find some time. What you're doing by giving your heart to Jesus is making him the Lord of your life. What you're doing is making him your very best friend, which he already wants to be. And, and I'll tell you this, the moment you give your heart to Jesus, you know, what's going to change is absolutely nothing in the physical, but what's going to change is on the inside of you. And I want you to start believing. And for those of you who are Christians, who still struggle every day with their sin or struggle with this or that, stop fighting and stop struggling and just give in to his love. And who you are is not your sin. Just like you, you are not a culmination of your bad decisions and you are not a culmination of your good decisions. You are the culmination of the deal God made with God to go on the cross and die for your sins and give you eternal life and eternal salvation and freedom from everything.
0: But I would like to thank my guest, Anthony, for coming today. I appreciate spending here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, everybody. This is the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. Tune in next week for another great show, uh, Encouraging Words. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story, so write us at stories at or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You also may find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You also may go to our website at www.themillenniumbeat.com. And you will find our podcast and our YouTube video. You will also find a calendar with past and future guest dates, and times. Plus another way for you to contact us with your story or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of Millennium Beat LLC.